Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandy, and I'm starting a series today called God's Mission for the Church, something that was known in the heart of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit from before the time the world began and revealed on the day of Pentecost. You want to know about it? Join me for the Word of God today and find out what your mission is during the time of the church. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. Glad to have you here today. And I'm excited for probably the next five or six days, we're going to be taking up the mission for the church, how it's different than anything else God has done before in the Old Testament or will do by the time the church is removed and the earth shifts back and the time of the tribulation comes for seven years and then we move in the millennium. The church is unique. Let me describe you for it this way. There's a parenthesis that's, that started on the day of Pentecost and that parenthesis will come to an end with the church is taken out of the way. In other words, the parenthesis started when the church began. 120 in the upper room received Jesus as Savior. The Holy Spirit moved into them, which he had never done before. The Holy Spirit never lived inside a person. He was in the tabernacle in the wilderness. He was in the tabernacle in, in David's day. He was in the temple in Solomon's day and in the temple in the day when Jesus was on the earth. So until this time, again, he's always in, been in some kind of habitation, but now we are the habitation for the Holy Spirit. And he, when he moved into the church, he will never ever go back into that tabernacle or into the temple again, even though the temple will rebuild he will always be inside of people. We have now become the temple of the Holy Spirit. But this began on the day of Pentecost. This began when the church began. And so Paul mentions this throughout his writings in the New Testament, especially Paul. Other people mention it, but Paul calls this the mystery. The mystery does not mean something we don't understand. It means something that was not understood in the Old Testament, but it's been revealed in the New. God knew about it. He knew he was coming. He knew Jesus was coming. They knew that in the Old Testament, but they didn't know what Jesus came to introduce because the church was not even mentioned in the Old Testament, only has a couple of mentions in the four gospels, but didn't come into being until Acts chapter two. So that's what we're gonna be talking about because the church's mission began on the day of Pentecost and is unique. God's relationship to us is unique. Our relationship to the world is unique. Our relationship to satanic powers is unique. And this is especially brought out in the book of Ephesians. Paul mentioned it in Colossians. Paul mentioned again in Philippians, 1 Corinthians. He mentioned this word mystery, but really emphasizes it more in the book of Ephesians. And that's why I'm offering to you the book of Ephesians. And you'll come on at halftime. And the announcer will tell you how you can have a copy of it. If you already have a copy of this, I'm also... During these four or five days or six days, I'm going to be speaking on this. We're going to take up and I'll offer something else to go along with it. More down to the exact thing of what I'm talking about, our relationship with Jesus Christ, God the Father, and even more than that, our relationship over Satan's kingdom. We'll talk about that because that's all part of the mystery or what's brought out in the New Testament. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to take a look at verses 1 through 12, and we'll be breaking this down because this set of scriptures really amplifies what I'm going to be teaching for the next number of days. And let's take a look here beginning in verse 1. In chapter 2, that which comes to the end before chapter 3, verse 1, Paul is talking about how that God built the church and how we've been set in as living stones 
upon the foundation stone of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are the temple of God. Just And he compares that to the temple of the uh, time he was here, when he was here, the uh, temple that was there and the disciples, uh, actually chapter 24 of Matthew, they stood outside of it and just oohed and awe over this particular building. And Jesus told them not one stone's gonna be left on another, it's gonna be torn down. And the reason why it was it'll be torn down is because the Holy Spirit will no longer live there. And uh, men will tear it down. The Romans will tear it down in 70 AD. But before that time, Jesus is talking about whenever he is uh, crucified, Whenever he is raised from the dead, the Holy Spirit moves out of the temple. The veil is torn from the top to the bottom and the Holy Spirit moves out. And then a few days later on the day of Pentecost moves inside of us. I like to think of it this way. After living for years and years in the tabernacle and then for decades upon decades upon decades inside the holy place, inside the temple, when he moved out and on the day of Pentecost moved into the hearts and inward man of believers, the moment he did that, he must have breathed a sigh of relief and said, oh, no longer a temple made with hands, no longer a tabernacle made with hands. I am now inside of a temple and a tabernacle made by God. And he's been at home ever since that day. You may think, well, wow, am I worth more than the temple? Yes. Am I worth more than the tabernacle? Oh, decidedly, yes. You are the most valuable possession God has on earth. The moment you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, you moved out of the rank and file of the people of this world and you suddenly became a part of the body of Christ, the temple of God and the habitation for the Holy Spirit. So in Ephesians chapter three, let's take a look here at verses one through 12. And when Paul says in verse one for this cause, he's talking about the building of the church, one stone at a time. That's the end of chapter two. And Paul says for this cause, that's the building of the temple of God, the church, the body of Christ. I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, on behalf of you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to uh, me to give to you. When he speaks here of the dispensation of the grace of God, he's speaking here of the church and the coming of the church. In fact, the church occupies the entire New Testament time period of which we live called the church age. And so he says, the bulk of the teaching has been given to me. Now, again, other writers mentioned it, but not like Paul. Paul goes into detail to describe what the mystery is. And again, let me qualify to you what the mystery is. Mystery teaching is found from the day of Pentecost till the time of the rapture of the church. That's what the mystery is. It is the church age. It's just another name for the church age. But the reason why it's called the mystery here, the church was unknown in the Old Testament, even unknown to the disciples. I'm sure when Jesus mentioned the term church a couple of times, the disciples probably nodded their heads, looked at each other and said, what's he talking about? I have no idea. Just let him talk. And to them, it was a mystery. So Jesus mentioned a few things, dropped a few hints that it was coming. And there are actually a few hints in the Old Testament about the time period we live in, but nothing specific. So that on the day of Pentecost, the disciples must have gone to the upper room. And even before they went to the upper room, were expecting the kingdom to come because that's what was the Old, Old Testament prophesied. Jesus would go to the cross, there'd be a break of small break of time, and then the kingdom would come. And so they were expecting it any day. In fact, when Jesus stood there with them on the Mount of Olives and tried to talk to them, they kept interrupting, when's the kingdom coming? 
May I sit on your right hand? Can I sit on your left hand in the kingdom? And he said, it's not for you to know the times of the seasons which are in my father's hands, Acts 1-7. But you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit's come upon you to be my witnesses. I'm sure they went, what? And when they came down from the upper room, they must have thought to themselves because the Holy Spirit must have revealed it. Hmm. We're in a whole new time period. This wasn't even prophesied in the Old Testament. We don't know anything about this. Well, let me tell you who else didn't know about it. The ones that didn't know about it were, of course, the disciples in the upper room. Next of all, Satan didn't know it was coming. Demons didn't know it was coming. Angels didn't know it was coming. There was only three in the universe that knew that the church age was coming, and that was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They told no one else. No writer of the Old Testament knew the church was coming. In fact, if you read some of the scriptures of the Old Testament, you might wonder, such as Isaiah chapter 9, speaking of the what we use for Christmas, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, the government should be upon his shoulders. Think about that verse of scripture. For unto us a child is born, that's Jesus Christ. Unto us the son is given, that's the deity. And he's talking there about the coming of Messiah. Is that part of the mystery? No, it was before the day of Pentecost. So it was well known in the Old Testament. Many scriptures prophesied about him coming. Many scriptures prophesied about his healing ministry, prophesied about the cross, Isaiah 53, Psalm 22, entire chapters dealing with the coming of Jesus Christ and him going to the cross. All those things are well documented in the Old Testament, but the church age is not. It was totally unknown. It was a mystery. And therefore, think of the scripture, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. That's him's coming. That's him being born in the earth. The rest of the scripture, not even a break in it, not even another scripture started. It's all part of one verse. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And of the increase of his government, there shall be no end. What's he describing there? That's the millennial reign of Jesus. And suddenly we jump over from the time that Jesus Christ was born all the way to the second coming, and 2,000 years is missing in there. 2,000 years of what we call the church age. Not only did Isaiah prophesy about his birth, he prophesied about his childhood, about his being raised, and Isaiah also in chapter 53 described the, the uh, Jesus Christ on the cross, but man, it all stops after that because, listen, the day of Pentecost was part of the mystery. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit was part of the mystery. The coming of the church was part of the mystery. And he didn't know it, didn't see it because to him it was unknown. He just jumped way over 2,000 years later and shoved the two together. Same thing happened with Daniel in Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. In, in verse 26 and 27, we move from Jesus going to the cross, dying on the cross, and the next thing we run into in the next verse is the coming tribulation and Antichrist sitting on the throne in Jerusalem. How do we jump across 2,000 years of church ages? Because to Daniel, to Isaiah, Old Testament writers, it was a mystery. Well, guess who the mystery was, was, was explained to? The writers of the New Testament epistles, starting with Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 1 was still under the Old Covenant, and Jesus went to heaven, sat down at the right hand of the Father, the moment that he did and the Holy Spirit was given, the church age began in Acts chapter two and runs all the way down to Revelation, the end of chapter three. All that is church age. So we have Acts, Romans, we have Corinthians, Ephesians, Colossians, Galatians, all the way through the writing of the New Testament. That is meat for our dispensation. That is the explanation of the mystery, acquainting us with things that were never ever known in the Old Testament, never revealed in the Old Testament. 
except that three members, all three members of the Godhead, knew it was coming, had it planned that it was coming, and probably delighted on the day of Pentecost to start explaining what had been in their heart all the time and what God had been doing all this time period. Let me just explain to you before the break what was going on. God's plan was this. In the Old Testament, Jesus Christ personally came back to earth many, many times. He was the rock that followed Israel. He was the cloud um, by day. He was the fire by night. Uh, He was the captain of the Lord's host. He was the angel of the Lord. We go down things, and he was so many things in the Old Testament coming back and forth and back and forth to help him. God was simply explaining there's going to come a day, and it's here in this verse of Scripture. When we get back from, from the break, I'll explain to you out of these verses of Scripture right here. God's intent that no longer would Jesus Christ have to come to earth and do all these things. Everything that Jesus Christ possessed would be turned over to the church. And we would have his authority. We would have his power. And the most useless thing as a Christian, you can just say, Jesus, come and help me. He goes, you've got everything you need right there to handle it. And Jesus Christ is going to sit in heaven, arms folded like this, and brag about us in heaven. Every time that we put Satan down and Satan's kingdom down, Jesus just looks at the devil and goes, this has been the plan the entire time. Does this sound good? Well, welcome to this series on God's mission for the church. How you can have a copy of my book on Ephesians is coming right now. I'll let the announcer have it. I'll see you right after halftime. Ephesus was famous for reckless living and idol worship. Even so, the Ephesian church was deeply spiritual. Unlike other letters correcting error, Paul's letter to the Ephesians revealed to mature believers both the truth of who they are in Christ and the practical application of this revelation to their marriages, families, and everyday lives. Bobby Andian's New Testament commentary on Ephesians ties in Greek word studies and scriptural references revealing God's empowering grace and the unprecedented authority of every believer as part of the body of Christ on earth. To order the New Testament commentary on Ephesians, visit our website at bobbyendian.com. Understanding the end times, one of the most incredible and fascinating doctrines in the Word of God, will bring us comfort for the days in which we live. The Bible says we are to encourage and exhort one another with the knowledge of Jesus returning for his saints. In Understanding the End Times, Pastor Bob Yandian provides a thorough and exciting study to give you more revelation of these times in which we live. Topics include the seven dispensations, the dispensation of the mystery, the rapture of the church, the judgment seat of Christ, Daniel's 70 weeks, the Temple Discourse, the Tribulation, the Second Coming, the Millennial Reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. To order Understanding the End Times, visit bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. All right, let's go back to Ephesians chapter 3, take up where we left off, and let's start this section again 
We've mentioned you the mystery, talked about it. In fact, the word mystery in verses 1 through 12 is mentioned three times in Ephesians chapter 3. And so great things are explained here, but let's go ahead and open it up even further. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Paul says, for this cause, that's the church, the end of chapter 2, being built uh, stone by stone, person by person, for this cause, the building of the church, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ on behalf of you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God. The dispensation of the grace of God is the church age, the time we're living in, started on the day of Pentecost, goes until the rapture of the church. Again, parenthetically, the church is like a parenthesis in time, but the parenthesis opened on the day of Pentecost and the parenthesis will close at the rapture of the church, which has been almost 2,000 years and the rapture hasn't come yet. The longest dispensation that God has is the church age. Verse two again, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery as I wrote before in a few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. God did not bring the understanding of the mystery directly to believers. He let the writers of the New Testament understand it, then explained it through the scriptures so it would be maintained for thousands of years. Whereby, verse 4, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages I own, is the Greek word here, time periods or dispensations, which in other time periods, which in other dispensations throughout the Old Testament was not made known to the sons of men as it is now revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Holy Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs. What in the world are we talking about? Gentiles have never been fellow heirs. It was written to the Jews and written to make them fellow heirs. Although Gentiles could believe in the Lord, they didn't join the fellowship. They didn't join the heirship of the nation of Israel. But in the New Testament, we all become one body. We all become one church. We all become united together, Jews and Gentiles. Verse six, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body, partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel of which, the gospel, I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. To me, who am less than the least of all saints, Paul brings out that as an unbeliever, he now became a believer, but because of the way he dis destroyed the church, kills saints, he considers himself less than the least of all saints. He said this grace was given. What grace? To tell the people, the Gentiles, especially who he was called to, about the grace of God, how they become part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, that I should preach among the Gentiles, the unsearchable riches of Christ, and then to make all men see, Jews and Gentiles. And the Greek word here, photizo, means to be enlightened and to make all men enlightened about what is the fellowship here. We have the word again. This is dispensation. What is the dispensation of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now, now, in the church age, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known through the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places 
according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. What is he saying in these verses of scripture? He said, the intent of God is that the day we're living in the church, all of a sudden, all the unveiling would occur. And his plan from ages past would be made known. And his, his plan from ages past was to turn over this entire planet, then turn over the entire operation of the church on the earth to people. You see, up until that time, until the time Adam was created, there was, there was angels, there was elect angels, fallen angels, there was demonic forces on this earth. God wrapped the whole thing up and drowned everything, froze the whole thing and started over again. And this time when God came back to the same garden that he had had in the Old Testament, to the same garden that Adam uh, was now given but had been occupied by Lucifer himself, and in the book of Ezekiel, it says, speaking of Lucifer's reign on this earth, it says, you have been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The diamond, barrel, onyx, jasper, sapphire, all those things. It says that all those things finally went to your head and the love of money took over. And the love of money, thought you thought you had power you didn't have and you tried to overthrow God. God kicked you out of heaven and you hit the ground below and you came back to Eden. But there you started a tantrum and you started trying to take over the whole earth because you thought that there was no one else that could run this place. No one had your authority. No one else had your beauty. No one else had all the things that you have. And the angels probably thought the same thing. And that could be why a third of the angels went with him. And Jesus even told his disciples, I was there. Don't get yourself all upset, you know, or, or think proudly of yourself because you have authority over Satan. Satan is a fallen being. I was there when he fell. I saw him fall as lightning from heaven. I saw him hit the ground and I saw him cast out of heaven and he's been cast out ever since. And he turned to his disciples and said, you have authority over his works. You have authority over demons and all those other things. You have authority over that. And the thing of it is, the reason why is he hasn't been cast out lately. It happened centuries ago. It happened millenniums ago that he was cast out. I was there and I saw it. I saw it in my deity. Jesus wasn't humanity yet. He saw this thing happen and told his disciples, Quit letting it go to your head. You're dealing with a fallen being. If you can see Satan as a fallen being, you can understand your authority over him. But what they didn't understand back there, what, what Satan still is having a hard time with, is why God turned this entire planet over to people those who became part of the church. And this is what he's talking about here in these verses of scripture. Paul said, I consider myself less than the least of all saints. But here's the thing about saints. Saints have been given the manifold wisdom of God and the manifold wisdom of God is here so that we can prove to principalities and powers in heavenly places, the eternal purpose of God, which he's known all these millenniums from the beginning of time, from the beginning of creation, God had a plan and he kept it secret. And it wasn't for angels to rule. It wasn't for demons to rule. It wasn't for any of that to rule. It was for this, this group of people on the earth called human beings that literally were made in the time they were made just below the level of angels he has planned for them all this time to take over. And right now we're seeing it in the church age. Angels didn't know the church age was coming. 
Angels didn't know all this was coming. On the day of Pentecost, they were taken by shock. They didn't know this. And what's the purpose of it? Later on in Hebrews, we're told that angels now are ministering spirits sent to minister for us. They have been placed under us as far as authority. Oh, they're far above us as far as creation. We're nowhere near the level of creation that an angel is infinite in strength, infinite in power. They can fly anywhere in the speed of thought they can be here. We don't. We have to put one foot in front of another to get anywhere. They must have thought whenever Adam was placed here, what is God doing to turn this planet over to this insignificant creature? He looks like an angel. Angels look like people, but he's nowhere near the level of an angel. He's been made lower than the angels and crowned with authority and power in the garden robbed from him by Satan in the garden and then taken back from Satan by Jesus Christ on the cross. And I'm sure the moment that Jesus took it back, all the elect angels must have gone, oh, we finally got it back. Don't give it to those people again. That's not what you're gonna do, is it? And Jesus said, "Uh uh-huh. And on the day of Pentecost, he suddenly just threw open his vision of what he'd had, he the Father and the Holy Spirit had had from the beginning of creation and gave it back to man and gave it back to man on the day of Pentecost. Men were taken by surprise. The prophets were taken by surprise. No one knew this was coming because Isaiah never prophesied about it. Jeremiah, Ezekiel, any of the Old Testament prophets, it's whenever the New Testament prophets came along that Jesus telling them there's something coming and you'll understand it later. In fact, we're gonna find out a little bit later, he even told the elect angels in heaven that sinned and turned against uh, God and went with Lucifer. He said, there's gonna come a day, I'm gonna tell you, I told you so, and you're gonna see what my plan is. They must've thought, now you couldn't have any kind of plan. We know that you're not telling us the truth. But later on, he did tell them. We'll get into the time he told the fallen angels about his plan. And his plan appeared on the day of Pentecost. And on the day of Pentecost, those guys must have come out of the upper room going, huh, we're in a whole new time period. Things are changing. And to let them know how they had changed, he took up the, the ones who wrote the New Testament, the New Testament books, the epistles, the Acts and Romans and Galatians and Ephesians and Paul and Peter and John, who let them know what we have in our time period that's never been available before. And one of the things that Paul brings out in his writing is something the rest of them don't bring out is the body of Christ. Jesus is the head, we are the body. The head doesn't come down now and do the work of the hands and feet. No, it tells them what to do from the word of God and the revelation of the Holy Spirit, but we do the work. And for us to even claim, Jesus, you need to come and take care of this. He's gonna say, no, you've got everything you need through the new birth, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the word of God, the direction of the Holy Spirit. You've got everything you need to accomplish your life and to take this earth and win it for the Lord Jesus Christ. And what was his commission to us? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Get people filled with the Holy Spirit. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And just like God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, he can anoint you and does through the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Then you'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. The very same things that Jesus did, you can do also. And notice what it says in verse 10 again, to the intent. Here's the intent that now, now is the church age. The manifold wisdom of God might be made known through the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus Christ is called Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. In other words, 
Alpha, we can't do the work he did. That's his work on the cross. Omega, he's going to come back and write the whole planet. We can't do that. We can do what in between. We're all the letters in between Alpha and Omega. We are Beta, Gamma, Delta, Epsilon, Zeta, all the way down to Psi. And the next letter after that is Omega. But whenever we finally do that part and we've done everything we can, he's going to haul us up out of here. And finally, at the end, Omega is going to stand up and accomplish everything that needs to be finished in this earth. Because we can go and we can do what we're supposed to, but the one that's going to finish it is the one who also started it, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And when he stands up to do it, that all I can say is, after he's through with that, Omega's done, we'll enter into the eternities of eternities with him. And the church will be the one that's magnified and lifted up as the bride of Christ. Oh, the great things yet to come. And again, all this comes under that term mystery. We'll take it up tomorrow. I know you're going to be blessed. I'll see you tomorrow. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. Join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.